Welcome to To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Rachel Lyon to explore the latest in global cybersecurity news, trending topics, and industry transformation initiatives impacting governments, enterprises, and our way of life. Now, let's get to the point. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of To The Point Podcast. I'm Rachel Lyon here with my co-host with the most, Eric Trexler. Hey, the most Eric. what, Rachel? The most what? The mostest. You're just the host oh, with the mostest. I learn more about that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Important topic today. We will Very not go important. too deep if we can help it. Uh, well, I don't know. We've got Dr. Richard Ford Whoa. joining us today. He's the third chief time. technology officer. That's right. A Praetorian. Third time on the podcast. Is that correct, Richard? Yeah. Maybe? Third, third time's a charm, right? That's Episode right. 10 in, in November of 2018. Episode, that was on uh, Rethinking Digital Trust. I wrote all this down, Rachel. Episode 38, The Future of Trust, wow. July of 2019. And wow. now we're talking about a great topic today where there's no trust in the industry. Why has it been so long, Richard? I, I feel like, did we lose your number? Did you lose our number? What happened? Have you just been busy? Well, it has been a bit busy, but also time is doing strange things, right? <laughs> in this sort of day soup that we live in. Uh, I'm a little bit confused about whether it's Christmas or Easter right now, or, you know, so yeah, time is doing strange, strange things, Rachel. It sure is. It sure is. But I'm glad you're back. We're glad to talk to you because this is like the highlight of my month right here. I and we're going to get this out pretty year. quickly, I think, so our listeners yes. can learn about it while, while we're in the, in the midst Absolutely. of the problem. And I think the the big topic, so as we were talking about, you know, Dr. Richard Ford, he's written a dark reading byline article and, and you know, n numerous blog posts and other things on this topic. Patents, but you name it. Patents. I think it's like 45, 60, I don't know, a lot of patents and, you know, all, all the things. But he is going to help us break down Log4j, a.k.a. Log4Shell. Uh, and, and, and all the goodness that comes with that, because this is a, a, a big beast. I mean, we talk about beast insecurity, in but this is kind of a, a big beast of a zero day event. Yes. Yeah, pro probably the worst in maybe the worst in my career, certainly the worst in the last 10 years or so. It's pretty bad. And, and why do you say that? Um, oh, my gosh. So you don't need access to the machine. It's a simple. Okay, so you can do it remotely. You can do it remotely with no account. Right. It's a simple text-based attack, right? So you don't need to be a rocket scientist to make it do anything. So what do you and, mean by what do you mean by that for our listeners? Yeah, so so it's not like I have to defeat H. E. Asler, right? So I throw that in there for you, Eric. It's not like I have to <laughs> defeat Got some it. terribly esoteric defense. Right. I mean, literally, we have reports of people renaming their phone to a specific string and seeing the the Wait, renaming their what? Their cell phone. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, what it's, else? It, it, it's kind of crazy. Um, the so you don't need access. It's a simple, fairly simple string-based attack. Once you understand it, it's pretty easy to uh, make it sort of go. And I think the worst of it is that you can you can sort of scan for it, and it's hard to scan for reliably remotely, and that just makes everything more difficult. So it's hard. There's only one way to know for sure that you're safe, and that's to look at your actual source code, do a you know software build of materials, 
and make certain you don't have a vulnerable version of log4j anywhere in your ecosystem. And that's now, if hard. you're a vendor, you can do that because you own the source code. But if you're a consumer of products, whether consumer grade or enterprise grade, you have obviously don't have access to the source code. So the best you can do is look at every vendor you deal with, right? If you're running a, I'm a Mac user. If you're running a Mac, you've got to literally go to Microsoft and understand the Microsoft platform, Adobe for the PDFs and, and everything, all the tools you're using and, and ensure that the vendor has either updated you, well, first created an update and then automatically updated you, or you've got to update your software to protect yourself. Fair? Um, most, mostly fair. So okay. this is much more of a server-side problem than a client-side yeah. problem, right? So, so yes, there are some examples of things that run locally that potentially are vulnerable. But the ones that we're kind of scared about are the ones that are in the cloud. Um, those are the ones right now that are the most risk. Those are the ones that are, that are most targetable. Although, because yes, they're accessible. Because they're accessible and because typically an endpoint isn't usually, you know, using something like Log4j, right? Which is a logging component. So, you know, this is much more of a sort of enterprise software, enterprise server. So like uh, VMware Horizon, or, you know, think about all those sort of SaaS products that are sort of hanging out in the cloud. But it's not to say that there aren't things in your house that could potentially be vulnerable. I think about embedded, embedded systems, some smart televisions, some sort of some of the smart home but the real the real big risk is all that enterprise SaaS stuff and even there um you'd say it's easy for the vendor you know the vendors can look at the source code a lot of the times even pretty good vendors aren't aware of everything that's in their cloud so one of the big challenges that we have is i think there's a statistic about 30 percent of your it assets you're not aware of 95% of all Docker containers have a lifespan of less than a week. So, so it's such a moving target that even for a, a pretty good defender, it's hard to know where all your stuff is. Especially if the cloud accessible systems are vulnerable. Oh, yeah. And, and, and this is one of the nasty things about this, right? So remember I said it was a string. I just have to get a special string into a vulnerable server. So that doesn't mean I have to connect to that server. I could connect to the web server. The web server could push that thing through Kafka. Kafka could pick it up in another backend server. And if anything anywhere in that whole chain uses Log4j, a vulnerable version of Log4j for logging, I'm about to own your infrastructure. So it's not just the front end. It's all the different places this goes. And, and there's a a piece of messaging that I want to get out because people don't understand this. There are all these scanners that people have put out for Log4j. None of them are super reliable, right? A lot of them, they just change one header in the, in the HTTP request. And if you don't get a ping back, you go, oh, you don't have Log4j. You know, you don't have Log4Shell vulnerability. That's not true. We've seen, we've seen examples now scanning. Well, we'll send the exploit 12 hours later we get a ping back because there was a batch job that picked up this log and imported it into Elastic and then it got exported from Elastic into some OLAP system and bam, that system was vulnerable and we got that one. We didn't get the front end system, we got it much later. It's crazy. So, so this, and, and just to baseline quickly for our users, listeners, this is a Java logging library that's commonly used. Yes, it's, it's sort of ubiquitous in, in the Java yeah. world. 
And it's a good library. I, I've used it, right? I mean, that's the definition of common because I don't write much Java. If I've used it, it must be pretty common. Wow. Okay, so watch this. Rachel, you're a director of communications, correct? <laughs> yes, sure. Okay. <laughs> you deal... Well, I'm being serious here, Rachel. Come on. Yeah, okay, this is okay. a serious topic here. I'm, okay, I'm serious. You deal yes. with the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post. I mean, you deal with all the publications out there, all the periodicals. You deal with the news, everybody, all the yes. time. Mm -hmm. I consider you an expert in this topic. Okay. Is there more written about Log4j, Log4Shell, or Colonial Pipeline and Ransomware? Ooh, that's a tough Based one. on your expertise and opinion. What's, uh, what's out there? What does the common person know more about? Honestly, it'd be Colonial Pipeline because everybody understands being without gas. Okay, fair. How about Ransomware versus, I mean, which one would you say is more commonly understood and known? Uh, versus Log4j? Yeah. I think everything. I don't know that any, you know, unless you're in the industry or really following it, you wouldn't necessarily be poking on Log4j like like you would the others, right? I mean, because as, as a consumer, you can understand it, um, you know, in terms of broad-based, right? Uh, okay. Interest in being able to grasp a concept, right? We can grasp the concept of not having gas, but I, I think, you know, with a lot of things, these zero-day vulnerabilities, until it impacts you personally, you have a hard time kind of wrapping your head around it in terms of a broad-based audience, right? So, you know, if my iPhone all of a sudden, or if I was playing Minecraft and all of a sudden that stopped, stopped working for me because it's Log4j, I think, you know, as a, as a lay person, I would understand it better. Um, but when you read this stuff, sometimes it feels kind of dense, you know? Yeah, or, I mean, or just, just so distant from something I control or deal with. Exactly. But I'm going to switch back to our expert here, Dr. Richard Ford. Dr. Ford, I mean, which one do you think has a more serious co potential consequence from sabotage or espionage or oh, theft this, of information? Yeah, this, we'll be dealing with this log4j, log4shell thing forever, right? Because yeah. it's buried deep in people's sort of clouds. It's not even necessarily exposed on the front end. And so my prediction is that, that this is one of these problems that will hang around for quite a long time and we'll find it in interesting and subtle places. Mm -hmm. um, I was shocked at actually how little coverage it got. We, I, I was we also. Up, yeah, we, we stood up a war room at, once we figured this thing out. So, so Praetorian, what we do is we do a lot of offensive uh, penetration testing work in the commercial world, right? So we do security assessments, red teaming, um, you know, that whole gamut of very high-end sort of bespoke services. So what we did is we weaponized this thing in a couple of hours once it was announced. And we're like, oh my good Lord, this thing's awful. And then we we started working with our customers. And, and I, I got to brag on this, Eric, because I think it was a beautiful thing. We, for free, started scanning our customers' ecosystems, right? Okay. Because when do you need friends? It's when you're in the trenches, right? This yeah. isn't the time to go, okay, stroke me a check for, you know, X and, yes. and let's do it. So the team sort of buckled down over the weekend and lived on pizza and Mountain Dew, um, <laughs> just banging out Log4j scans. And, and the number of people that we got and the, the people that we got would, would cause you physical pain. 
Wow. And, right. and that's so, why we're doing this show because exactly. I don't think people understand. And, and comparing mm. Log4j, Log4Shell to ransomware is probably not a good comparison, but maybe comparing it to like Eternal Blue, the tool set or something, which has the better likelihood of damaging or, or, or creating damage well, or I think, negative consequences. Yeah, I think Log4Shell potentially gives you access. Yeah. And then, and then it remains to be seen what's done with that access. So if I was but once you have guy, access, that you have a lot of options. You do have a lot of options. But if you're a bad guy, when something like Log for Shell comes out, what do you do? You don't pick one person and do something horrible to them, because right. you know that this is like it's like you know this is a Cyber Monday of vulnerabilities, right? Yeah. You want to get in there quickly before you know before Tuesday hits and all the all those discounts go away. So you compromise as many people as you possibly can. You go resident, and maybe I'll come back and do something bad to you later. Yeah, and and yeah. that's my fear. You of, gain of, entrance of on a wide scale, and then yep. you sit. Then you kick you back and think out. about, okay, now now where? How do I prioritize? How do I triage? Mm -hmm. And what do I need to do? Yeah, and, or and how do so, I make the most money, or how do I exert the most force? Exactly. So if you're on the good guy side, good good people side, you know, you're a white hat hacker, you're, you're IT defender, infosec professional, whatever. What's your recommendation? What do you do? I've got all these systems. I don't even know about thirty percent of them based on right. your data, which I would agree with. Some places a lot worse than thirty percent. What do you do? Yeah, I think I think there's there's what should we do and what do we do, and and that they're, they're different answers, right? So first of all, the time to figure this stuff out isn't when it's raining cats, right? It, you, there is things that you should be doing on those sunny days when the sky isn't falling. And we should, we should pivot and talk about that at some yes. point in, in our time together. What do you do with this specific vulnerability? I think you do the best you can. So you take a, a sort of attacker-centric view because you know what the attacker's playbook's gonna be, and you make certain that none of your assets are trivially vulnerable for that attacker-centric playbook. So, you know, you use the sort of scanners that are out there and you make certain those things are blocked, it's triage. And then you can delve down deeper into your system. If you develop your own software, you know, and you've got good asset uh, inventory, then the only real way to deal with this is to patch or to get onto a patched version. And of course, that was a bit of a mess because there were a few different patches that came out from Apache Software Foundation. You know, and we finally got, I think 2.17 is the current, and that appears to have solved this issue. 216, 215 had kind of issues that were still exploitable. So the vendor community is going to be working on this for a while, but if you're in the InfoSec world, you're going to be patching your systems for a while. Yes. I mean, people, so, so you know, let's not give the sort of industry a D minus, right? I'd say it's more of a, a a B minus or maybe I a, totally disagree, but we'll go with you because you're the doctor. <laughs> so, I mean, we did see, we did see pretty, pretty swift response from, from quite a few vendors right. Right. moving to the, to the newer version. And, you know, I know a lot of folks who worked that weekend yeah. trying to protect their customers. Right. I mean, not just us. Right. right. I mean, we, yeah, we were out there sort of trying to be the good, the good folks, but you know, all those people who had vulnerable services were trying to get a patch through and tested and into production for for customers. It was a it was a real fire drill. Um, the 
the place where I think we didn't do so well is I don't think as an industry we've been the clearest about communicating the limitations of some of the mitigations or the limitations of the scanners that people right. have been putting out there. Right. And that the only real way to be sure is to just get rid of this exploitable version from all of your boxes. It's just got to go. Yeah. Which is difficult. It is difficult. So if I'm a CEO or a board member, Rachel and I are on the board of Company X. We're going into the holidays here. We want to kick back and relax. We're tired. Yeah. Do we know that our 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 organization, our company is is okay and everything's going to be good going into the holidays? What are we being think, told? Yeah. So I think you have to take a sort of more risk management approach rather than risk annihilation. Right. You can't. I mean, our job which, is which we're great at risk. in this industry. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. mean, risk and prioritization of assets and data. I mean, we're so good at, but okay, oh, we're go number on. one, totally. Um, <laughs> but I think you have to view this from a risk management uh, standpoint. So you have to do some forward planning. You have to figure out what your attack surface is, and that's a real problem for many companies. Again, that's a don't do it when it's raining um, sort of day, right? It, it's inexcusable that well, inexcusable is too strong. It's it's shocking but not surprising that we're so bad at tracking our assets as an industry. I like the inexcusable, but go for it. Yeah, but you know, Eric, I was I was looking at my home router, right? And I'm like, why do I have 12 devices on my home router? I, I have six devices, and after a little bit of backward and forward with my wife, and then actually after scanning the two devices I couldn't figure out, I could account for the 12 devices, and that's in my home. Man, I've got like 39. <laughs> but, but, I mean, you know what I mean, right? You, you go, I get oh, it. Yeah, that speaker, that thing is, uh, that thing's on the Wi-Fi. I guess it should be talking to my router. Um, now, imagine in the cloud where anybody with a credit card can spin something up and put it into your environment. Um, yeah, no, I get it. It, it. It's pretty bad. And I think one of the, one of the big takeaways from this is, you know, you need to know where your stuff is. And, and there are tools that do that. Attack surface management, right? That's something that we do and, and something I'm keen on. But I'm not keen on it because we do it. We do it because it because helps. Because we should do it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Okay, but I want to um, go back to Rachel, the board member. Mm-hmm. Rachel, what question are you going to ask of Dr. Richard Ford, your, your head of IT, going into the holidays to know if you have a problem or not here? Uh, well, I kind of as a board member, I guess, wearing wearing my, my hat where I read a lot of news coverage is, um, Richard, I, I, I think we're vulnerable during the holidays when people are out of the office and that makes us a, a prime candidate to be further attacked. On top of Log4j, what else should we be worrying about during during this time off with people away from the office? So it's actually, it's actually interesting. Um, <laughs> Ms. Board Member, um, <laughs> because in some ways, as an attacker's job is harder when people are in the office, because how am I really? primarily getting in if I'm an attacker? Okay. It's primarily phishing. Okay. Right? Um, you know, again, some of the war stories I can tell you um, from Praetorian, we, we have a very high success rate with, with phishing, right? And if you have MFA, when you're really red teaming an organization is what you're yeah. saying. That's that's the easiest yeah. way to get in. And, <laughs> and I think I think way. the adversaries have proven that yes. from the data that phishing is highly successful over years. 
Yeah, uh, extremely, key. but I think that a lot of people in the industry think that because they have multi-factor authentication, they're safe, and there's not. They're not. Once I'm in your browser, I've got your MFA at that point, generally, right? Because I can either steal your session tokens. There's all, there's all kinds of things I can do. Right. One, once I am in your browser, I am you. And okay. so with people out for the holidays, in some ways, it makes the job of the attacker hard because nobody's clicking oh. on those darn phishing emails. But um, in terms of managing your infrastructure, th there's a couple of takeaways, actually. So the hackers take holidays, too. That's, that's a definite truth. To our benefit. Uh, <laughs> say again? That's to our benefit. That's, to, that's sort of to our benefit. But a lot of the people we worry about at the nation state level have different holiday days than right, us. And right. you can tell who you're being attacked by by going, oh, this is a holiday in this part of the world, and suddenly I'm not getting attacked, right? Like Chinese New Year may not be a big day to go after the Americans. Could, could be. I mean, it could be. I, I don't know why you're picking on China, but yeah. <laughs> I'm picking on everybody. Um, it, it certainly could be a correlation that it's a little bit quieter on, on the networks for certain kinds of attack those days. So, so the attackers take days off too, um, not always the same ones that we do. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, there'll be a lot of scanning. I mean, when you, when you think about attacks around Christmas, one of the interesting things is trying to root or own all the electronic gadgets that people turn on for the first time and put on the Internet, right? And that's an, that's an interesting target. It's not commercial. It's very right. sort of, you know, personal. But um, all those devices become a target. From a corporate network standpoint, yeah, I mean, the attackers do have a little bit more time because it's usually a skeleton crew. But one of their favorite ways of getting in, which is phishing, has been taken away from them because people just don't do as much email over Christmas. Right. Interesting. I feel like I do more personal, less work. Like the yes. number of, 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 I call them phishing emails, but it's just really vendors trying to get my business over the holidays here is massively up. Yeah. And I, I go through email much faster exactly. as a result of the volume increase, mm -hmm. right? So I pay less attention. Now, I'm not clicking on things other than the delete button 90% of the time, maybe more. But I do feel that your your guard is, is because just due to the volume, your guard is probably down a little bit. I'm more careless. Yeah. Yeah, I think personally, not at work. Right. But a good phishing email will, will catch you offbeat, right? Some of, the, some of the stuff that's out there is really very good. Some of the pretexts that get, that get set up, some of the oh, pretexts yeah. that we set up are, right. are very, very good. You know, we have like fake companies. We've got all kinds of sort of tricks that, that allow us to do, do what we do. Yeah. How, okay. How so fun. Rachel, board member, we're we're now <laughs> off of uh, log four shell here. Oh, we are. Okay. Um, but I think it's still a, I, I think it's still a major concern going into the holidays because the adversary does have access, and if they just want to, if they've gained access, of course, if you if you weren't able to patch in time, or they gained entry before you patched. Mm -hmm. And my guess, Doctor Ford, would be that there aren't as many. There aren't as many defenders working either. So if you know a, a a a nation state or a determined bad actor really has rule of the roost mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in many yeah, cases, no, it, it, and that's it, the it problem be, we have. Right. 
it can be very bad for people borrowing in. And I will say that even today, we are still discovering uh, log4j uh, vulnerable, vulnerable versions of log4j in people's infrastructure, right? Even I'm sure. today, just this morning. Well, you said you'd be doing it. it for the rest of time. Right. Yeah, I think I think we'll be using using this for a while. Um, and if we're using it for a while, I think the uh, attackers will be using it for a, for a while too. And yeah, it, it's it's been this has been one of the craziest two weeks that I've had in in my career. In and that's cyber. why it's so serious in your right. mind. Yeah, because it's this weird, subtle vulnerability where it's not just the internet. Uh, connected things that I need to worry about. It's anything that handles data that an attacker contained. Whether that data comes through HTTP or, you know, DNS or, you know, God help you, I might be able to OCR this into your system, mm -hmm. right? Which is crazy. Yikes. Um, you know, there's, there's some really crazy sort of vulnerability channels. It's not just Oh, it's not like Heartbleed, where you know you're going to go patch a certain version of TLS, right? So if it's not talking TLS on the internet, it's probably okay. Yet, yet I think we're treating it. I mean, even Heartbleed had a an interesting name. No offense, but Log for Shell is like eh, it sounds like it sounds like you know a, a, a Unix app. Yeah, it's not, it's not doing it for you, Eric. You're not a big fan. It's it isn't, and I think it, I think it's a problem yeah. because a lot of the people I talk to, when when you look at the news, you know, I was leading Rachel a little bit, but I don't think people understand the severity of it. I think the name is part of it. It's right. it's not sexy. It's not something. It's like, oh well, I better care about that. That's right. That it's a not lot like of people Express. outside of the end. Yeah. Like you worked your ass off for the last two weeks. I got to tell you. Me, I didn't work that hard on it. Our teams did. Yes, Our teams yes. worked really hard to patch. Hard. I didn't have a lot of customers dialing us up and saying, how exposed are we? Where's the problem? How do you help us? And we normally get that. Right. I would say no. a lot of my peers and a lot of people I know in the industry, unless they were super technical, mm -hmm. they didn't tend to have the same level of concern either. Right. And no, I think that's, that's a problem. That's exactly yes, right. Um, exactly. I was calling people on the Sunday night when I realized how bad this was. Just old friends, right? Yeah. So, so not not customers, just old friends. And what they say? Have you looked at this? Well, I knew there was something going on. Is it bad? You know, <laughs> right? And it's it's like I'm logging. Like, eh, Who cares? Eh, it's <laughs> logging. I mean, nobody cares about logging. It's like backups. Yeah. Not that important. And, you know, Tuesday morning, I got a lot of thank you uh, calls. It was nice, right? So, so they they actually saw the 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 level of severity. But do you think the the bulk of the industry sees it that way? I mean, you described it as probably one of the worst, yeah, if not the worst vulnerabilities or attacks, really vulnerabilities that that you've seen in your career. Yeah, and I don't say that because I'm going to make more money because I say that. I don't say that because I'm trying to, like, spin it up. I say it because I yeah. think it's likely true. Right. It's just got all these weird arms and legs that that has made it very unpleasant to fix. I mean, I can imagine things that would be worse that were more hardware-based mm -hmm. but um, because they're just a, a beast to sort of recover But have you from, seen right? them? Yeah, we got kind of close, right, with some of the Spectrum Meltdown 
things, but okay. there, were, there were ways around it. And the point there is those things were esoteric. They were sort of hard to, to exploit. Right. So think about think- the scale, the level of access. Rachel, I think we're going to see this down the road and we may not be able to link it back, but we're going to see it with data exfil, you know, cash exfil, maybe some espionage, sabotage. Absolutely. We'll see different types of, of, of downstream consequences. And I don't even know if we'll link it, be able to link it back in many cases. Just um, my gut. I, I think people too, though, the other part are, are people just exhausted? You know, it's just like yet another thing. You know, it's it, it'll work out. <laughs> like, we'll have enough patches come through. It'll work out. You know, we'll just ride the wave. You know, I mean, yeah, maybe. I mean, th- there's a reason there's there's pretty brutal burnout in our industry, right. right? And and we sort of joke about that as industry insiders, but it's this is a brutal industry um, right. for for people just burning out. And well, yeah. Because it, you you are on that hamster wheel of pain, and you know at some point you get numb and you go, yeah, it's this sort of remote thing that I can nail with a string. How bad can it be? <laughs> well, it's it's kind of um, I don't know. It's almost like this thing that we have to live with, like we were talking about earlier. You know, you, you start looking like at endemic situations and. You know, cyber is kind of like that. It's just this kind of awful thing. I guess people are just getting used to, to living with it being awful all the time. And, you know, it's just ch- chalk another one on the on the post uh, of things happening. But, you know. So yeah. how, how, do we, how do we prevent it? Like, it's, it's this small fundamental piece of code that's ubiquitous. It's everywhere. It's, it's going to stick around for a while. How, how do we prevent the next one? I mean, what could we have done right. <clears throat> back in the day right. to prevent this? So, so static analysis of code can help, right? The, the theory is by having everything open source, these things shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. I will offer a log for shells. Because people are looking at this. People are looking at it, and by, by I would argue with because they're open source. When they do happen, <laughs> a lot of people have been looking at it and using it, and the problem is larger. But potentially so, yeah. So I think I think that this is this is a really hard problem, and so a better approach is to say, what are the things that I need to have taken care of? before the next version of something like this happens right. so that when this happens, I can react very quickly. Because I think that, that cybersecurity okay. is a game that is not won by the strong. It is a game won by the quick. Right. Yeah, okay. That's fair. But really what you're saying is regardless of what the exploit is or the vulnerability, if you have a, a, a system, if you have an approach, when that vulnerability or ex- exploit appears you will be able to more quickly deal with the environment that you manage. Yeah, exactly. So so yeah. do you have a good asset inventory? Do you know how to keep the asset inventory up in real time? Because you can't do it in spreadsheets in the cloud, right? They're, they're just, they're, they're, or, the or in crisis. Rep- right. Yeah, well, because it represents what the network was maybe some time ago. Right. It needs to be automated. You need to be able to look at it like an attacker would look at it. You need to be able to filter all that noise because what does the CISO not want? The one thing that the CISO does not want is another blinking light. 
Right. 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 If, if, if I offer the Richard Ford patented blinking light service to a CISO, <laughs> you know, they're just going to look at me funny and go, no, I got plenty of blinking lights. We got lots of blinking lights. And some of them even blink on important things, but I'm not dealing with them. <laughs> we need to denoise the world yes. for the CISOs to, to tell them about what really matters. So a good example is if I scanned your network, I'm sure I'd find things that were out of date. But no, I shouldn't tell you about all of them. I shouldn't, I shouldn't fuss you about all of them. I should tell you about the three that are causing you the most pain, that give you the most vulnerability, the ones that I could exploit today, not the ones that are vulnerable to some theoretic vulnerability that I've never seen anybody get breached by yet. We've well, right. I mean, you started with this as saying you, you, don't need, you don't need physical access. Right. Right. Uh, okay, so that's a problem, right? If you need a physical access, I would lower it in the priority level, risk level. Correct. Right. But yeah. I cut you off. I, I didn't mean to. Go ahead. No, I just think it's. I think. I think your physical access point point is very well made. I just think that that we have to start when the storm isn't raging. We have to be taking these preventative steps to understand what our attack surface is. Who manages it? I mean, half the time you find a box in your IP space and you're like, I have no idea who owns this box, right? Um, right. We, we dealt with customers in the last 14 days where, where they're like, well, yes, you're hitting this box on our network and yes, we can see it's vulnerable, but we don't know whose it is. Well, it's like yours because it's on your network. But, yeah, it's not mine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so so it's crazy. And, and so doing doing a really good job of understanding where everything is helps right. you because you're not scrambling when you, you could then, if you had good software bills and material, you could very quickly run a query against that database and go this, 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 and this. Okay, those are the boxes I need to shut down or those are the boxes that I need to mitigate. Um, the challenge, and I'm in, Look, I have nothing but, but love and affection and respect for anybody who would take the job of CISO right now. You yeah, are agree. the sort of crumple zone at the front of the car that takes the impact when something bad and, and happens. You, you don't win. The best you do is crumple well and protect people. It, it, exactly like, right. There's and no upside. It, well, it's a very difficult job. Very difficult job. You can't hire people. You can't, uh, you can't retain them when you do hire them. I mean, the salaries right now. A, a stupid beyond words, right, for, yeah. for some of these positions. Um, and then you have these vulnerabilities that are coming at you all the time while you're being told to accelerate the transition to work from home or accelerate, you know, digital transformation or whatever it is that that is the mission critical. Or reduce so, cost or whatever yeah. it may be. Yeah, it's it's a really, really hard job. And so nothing but respect, right? So, right? so I've worked with remote CISOs, again, last couple of weeks, who are just putting in crazy hours, they and their team, sleeves rolled up, trying to bail the boat. So I don't want anything I say to be like, oh, we need to do better as a team. We all need to work harder because that's just not realistic. Mm -mm. We need to work smarter and, and do the things that matter and not just run around and try and patch everything. But I guess as we talked about in the past, right, I, sometimes people need that impetus to go out and, and do these things that they should be doing, right? 
Um, you know, like with the whole colonial pipeline, right? Biden got involved and made it a thing and, oh crap, you know, this is like, oh, but we, we need to do something. But until like the bottom falls out, I mean, are, are people going to do this asset inventory? Are they going to get ahead of it or just think, ah, you know, we'll be okay. We'll be okay. We'll, we'll wait till next time. I don't know. You're so busy. I think that's what you're saying, Richard, right? I mean, you, you've got to prioritize, exactly. but you, you can't, you, you can't priorities get ahead. And priorities. Yeah. I mean, so many competing Everything's priorities. Everything's number one. Exactly. So how do you start knocking those off the list if, if they're all competing with each other? Well, I, th I think you have to have a strategy and then yeah. you just have to manage it really well. You know, you can do, I think the job of a CISO is about managing resource constraints as much as right. it is about security and doing the things that matter most. And I think that's one thing that as an industry, we haven't always done very well which is explaining Agreed. to the customer what really matters most. Because right. usually what matters most is what you're trying to sell, right? And that is such, such a bad way to, to, to do anything. Um, you know, what matters most is the thing that's going to harm your customer most. And even if that's not what you sell, that's what you should put, put focus on. Um, there's so much money floating around the cybersecurity industry. I think it's, it's very easy for... The most important thing to be the, you know, widget that I'm selling today. Right. Well, that's I what I say. see. And it really, I've, yeah. I've seen it throughout my whole career. We'll just, you know, we spend time on buying things as opposed to, you know, we've spent a lot of time, Richard, talking about trust on this show with you. Yeah. I think we need to talk about risk, understanding risk. And we rarely get into a conversation with that. It's, you know, it's as a product vendor, it's usually here's a list of requirements. Which ones do you meet? And it's like, well, wait a minute. What are you trying to accomplish? What are you trying to do? And that's really hard for customers because they want to buy product. No, that, that's exactly right. And, and one of the things that I think we've done as, a, as an industry, again, which, which just hasn't worked, is we get into feature wars with each other. I'm going to have more features than Rachel's product has. Um, I'm going to have, you know, you can have different colored dots on the map instead of all the same. We should be focusing on offering core security value than features. It doesn't matter Correct. what my ServiceNow integration necessarily looks like if I can stop you from being breached. You didn't buy me because I integrate well with Jira. You bought me because I can stop you being breached. You want to buy an out, you should, you should want to buy an outcome or a result right. set, not a bunch of blinking Richard Ford lights in a box. Uh, absolutely, Eric. And I wish, I wish more people spoke at that. You are buying an outcome, but right. usually you're not selecting based on outcome. You're selecting based on features. Right. right. Yeah, we've, we've done a lot of sales training. And, and one of the things we talk about, uh, Steve Thompson, you know, famous sales trainer in the industry is, you know, do you, do you, are you selling a quarter inch drill bit or a quarter inch hole? Right. And, and it's very basic, but as a yeah. salesperson, it's like, well, we spend so much time selling the drill, but what the customer should want and many times does want is a quarter inch hole. That's why they're buying the drill and the drill bit and everything else. So if I can provide the hole, how, do you care if I get it, how I get it done? Right. But I think same thing here. What are you trying to accomplish? What outcome are you trying to accomplish? And then how do we help you get that? Who cares about yeah. the blinky lights? Right. Yes. And, and what the CISO really wants at night is to be able to sleep at night. Exactly. To, to be able to be on that beach and actually look at the sand as mm -hmm. opposed to, you know, look at their cell phone and, and see what right. the latest. 
And, and today the sales guy gets to do that or gal, right? The salespeople get to hit the beach and sleep because yeah. they just sell the widgets. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we need to I, change the industry a little bit. We, we do. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the things that, that, that we, I think, have in common because, you know, Eric, from, from my time at Forcepoint, especially with, with G2, people got the mission, the mission. They get the government side of the house, they got the mission. Right? They understood that, that the job was stopping bad people and making, right. allowing good things to happen. That's the nice thing about Praetorian as well. It's, it's uh, a lot of folks who get the mission that we're the watchers on the wall, right. trying to allow you to sort of have a safe, prosperous and healthy sort of business. Um, I think as a whole, sometimes we do drift a little bit on, on, on the mission. It's especially bad um, because this is such a hot space for investment, right? So, you know, you can get into cybersecurity for love, which is, I think, how we got into it. There wasn't a cybersecurity industry when I started. Well, it was um, interesting. It certainly was interesting. Yeah, it was so like, fixing problems. This is great. Now we're tired. Um, or you can get into it to make a ton of money, right? right? Yeah. And I think and you don't even have to be good and you make a ton of money. Yes, and I think that the outcomes for the customer, though, look very different. Right. Agreed. In those two worlds. Well, Rachel, I know we're near the end of our time, uh, and we're before the holiday, the, the major holidays. Well, I, I don't even know how to say we're, we're coming up on the Christmas time at, at this point. Hanukkah has passed us. Um, but I'm, I'm going to go and have a, uh, a good break if I can get it. And uh, good luck with Log4J and Log4Shell, huh, Richard? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're we'll back. You know, we'll try not to... Uh, <laughs> we'll deal we'll with it then, huh? Again in February. <laughs> I sure hope we, uh, we we make some progress here. I hope our, our defenders don't work harder than they have to, but I really do hope they protect our businesses, our, our organizations, and our people. That would be my wish. That would be nice, but also, you know, get a good night's sleep too. You know, that would be, that would be good too. Yeah. Good night's yeah. sleep is a beautiful yeah. thing. Is it, it going to happen, sleep. Rachel? <laughs> I wish our listeners could see your face right now. <laughs> that cringe. Okay. Maybe we should end the show, Mr. Four. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. And it's always, always fun to come hang with you all. No, Aww. it was it, it was great, and and thank you for educating yes. us. Thank you for educating our listeners. There are a lot of vulnerable systems and organizations out there, Rachel, and we're just going to have to uh, do our best and deal with them as we do. But I, I hope Richard is wrong that this is not one of the most significant events of uh, our time. I, uh, well, I, I have I to say, in my right. history of knowing Richard, he's always yeah, he's usually, usually he's right. usually spot on. He, <laughs> not only does he know things, he sees things exactly. He knows exactly. like what's going to happen. That's that's what makes him such a great guest and and person 100%. to talk to. Anyway, yeah, so great to have you, Richard. We've missed you, and and hopefully you can come back again soon. It would be a great anytime, to have you back. anytime at all. Thank you, Bo. Oh, good. Well, Eric, I mean, do do we have the weekly plug of smash that subscription button? Yeah, smash, I just I just it. want some comments. Give me some comments. All on the comments. How yeah, we're doing? Thanks. What you want to see? What you want to hear? Well, I will want to. I say thank you to the the lovely uh, the lovely woman on Twitter who did give us a shout out on on the podcast. Greatly appreciate the feedback and appreciate the listen. Uh, and and for all those other folks out of there, you can get a fresh new episode every single Tuesday. Right to your inbox. 
uh, if you just just hit a subscription button. It's really that easy. And you get Eric and Rachel and, and now Richard delivered to you on Tuesday. I mean, what's what more could you that? want? I know. I mean, that's that's a happy holiday right there, my friend. There you go. I think we need to get this out and make it a gift to everybody. <laughs> Take care, everyone. That's right. Until next time. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts.